living intentionally for Jesus Christ. It's, it's something you need to do. It's something that you choose to do. And when you do that, you determine that you're going to view life from God's eternal perspective, and that's going to enable you to overcome some barriers. That's going to be the challenge, living intentionally for Christ. I've been thinking about this and how we're going to do this. I'm taking, an, as I told you last week, a passage of Scripture that you may not think fits, and we're going to make it fit <laughs> because it's really been working on my heart as I've been thinking about this whole chapter of what happens to you when you say, yes, I'm going to live intentionally for Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be one of those nominal Christians anymore. I'm going to actually go out and I'm going to say, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. The first thing that's going to happen to you, you're going to have some barriers. Not everybody's going to applaud you like they did this morning. Not everybody's going to be with you and, 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 and helping you through that. That's why the church of God is so very, very important. So when you determine that you're going to live intentionally for Christ, you need to understand a couple things here. Number one is you need to understand that, that life has a purpose only because God keeps his promises. And that's what we talked about in the first message. God keeps his promises, so you've got that steady rock to build upon. The next thing you're going to understand is when you pray, your prayers will be refocused because you're going to know that the real need of unbelievers is that they open up their eyes to see and to experience the love of God, just like you did. So you're going to see people differently. You're also going to become deliberate in reaching out to them. You're going to be praying for certain people, and God's going to be putting people in your heart. Maybe you're here today because of the prayers of somebody. And if you are, this is very important because you're going to learn to be deliberate in your discussions with people, turning your life story into a witness for Jesus Christ. And of course, you're not going to do that just by telling your story. Everybody has a story. And the beautiful things about stories, until you get too old, is you can remember them. <laughs> you, you, can, you can go through and you can say, yeah, that's my story. So you don't have to always think about the three points or anything like that. You tell what you know about what happened to you be, or who you were before you met Jesus Christ. And then you tell how you met Jesus Christ. And then you show, uh, tell people, just in normal conversation, what's happened to you since you've met Jesus Christ. And the, what is the most important thing is that is based in Scripture. And then the Scripture, of course, is surrounded through the Gospel. Otherwise, it's just a, a great story. And so the Bible says that we're going to have power in our witnesses to him after the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And so when you do that, and when you live this way, you're going to face opposition. Now, a lot of Christians take on the martyr complex that they think that they're the only ones who are going through issues. The Bible says the way of the sinner is hard. And it's tough out there. It's tough out there for everybody. And you and I can and will overcome these barriers in our life, and we will also have victory in our life. And we will do that because because we're going to look at barriers differently. See, people have barriers such as physical barriers. And when you try to overcome those, those physical barriers that you may have, it could be your health, it could be lots of different issues, and you rely on your own strength and your own self-sufficiency, someday you're going to realize you're going to fail. And when you fail, you fall in a heap. And then also emotionally, 
If you just try to do things on your own strength without relying upon and, and in fact, embracing the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, what's going to happen is you're going to be caught up in discouragement and defeat, and you'll be going from one discouragement and one defeat to another. The Apostle Paul's going to do that. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Spiritually, then, if you don't live under the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God in your life, and Christian, this is so very important, you are opening yourself up for deception. You can be deceived because the battle that we have in our life now is more than just the battle that the average person has out there because we all have physical battles, financial battles, all relationship battles. We all have those. But now we're entering into a new realm of a spiritual battle. It's a battle for our hearts and it's a battle for our minds. There's a lot of confusion in Christianity today in lifestyle and ministry, especially in the Western church, isn't it? You know, we have a, a, a day when there's a lack of clear biblical instruction. A lot of people talk about the Bible, but, but not actually having the substance to show what the Bible says and how to actually make application in your life about that. At the beginning of this year, we were telling you that we're determined to teach and to preach from God's word and to give you practical instruction. Today, you have a bulletin. In that bulletin, you've got a place to, to take some notes. And also, we have a, a worksheet that goes out for our connect groups. I think there's some paper copies of them out there outside. You can grab them. Or you can download it from the website when it comes up um, with the sermon. Or you can also get that emailed to you. Very, very important that you get that and put that in your hearts and your mind. Because you need, a, there's a lack of biblical, clear biblical instruction today. There's also an overemphasis on emotional persuasion today. And, um, and, and some ministries exploit, they manipulate people. And we see that, don't we? we? We can see that all the time. And also, there's a breakdown in personal integrity, dishonesty and hypocrisy. Um, as one says, you know, the, the people who are living in the, in the limelight, who say that they're living for Christ, um, some of them have some very, very dark shadows in there. There's a breakdown in personal integrity. Charles Swindoll once illustrated it. He says it's like a supermarket cereal. When Christianity is brightly packaged and sugar-coated, it's enticingly offers those free prizes inside, we fail to see the fine print on the side of the box. And so we never know about all those empty calories that we've been eating or realize how malnourished we've actually become as Christians. That's one of the barriers. That's a major barrier that, that, um, that we need to overcome is malnutrition as a Christian. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 6. These aren't in your notes here, but this is just something I'm going to throw in in my introduction. Here's what Paul says. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds or barriers. They're casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And then we're ready to punish all disobedience when our uh, obedience is fulfilled. So the principle today 
Uh, again, I'm going to say it's viewing life from God's eternal perspective enables us to overcome barriers. So let's see how the Apostle Paul handles those barriers that God in his way of his ministry. So as I said, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and we're going to read verses 1 and then we're going to, um, we're going to go verse 1 and then we're going to drop down to verse number 16. Verse number 1 says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Therefore, he says, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. The term lose heart means we don't go into despair. Drop down to verse number 16. And this, is, this is the conclusion part here. Therefore, now if there's a therefore, that means there must be five points in between, and there will be. <laughs> therefore, he says, we do not lose heart. He says, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And then I discovered in this particular chapter, which 2 Corinthians is all about ministry. The Apostle Paul has written 1 Corinthians. And he's correcting a lot of issues in the church there. 2 Corinthians, he's actually defending his ministry and he's shown what real ministry is all about. So what did the Apostle Paul do in his life so that he could make a declaration in verse number one? Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Well, first of all, and there's going to be five points here. First of all, he served with integrity. He served with integrity. Let's look at verses one and two again. Therefore, since we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. The first thing the Apostle Paul says is he renounced certain things. You know, when you think about it, the only thing that we can actually bring to our service, we're, we're just weak people. The only thing we can actually bring to our service to the Lord is integrity. God gives us spiritual gifts. God gives us enablements. But we bring to the table, if it will, our integrity. The usual, usually um, when we think of integrity, we think of the quality of being honest or having strong moral principles. But the word integrity, the actual word means to be incorruptible. It's the unimpaired condition. It's soundness. It's the quality of being complete, undivided. It, 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 it means to be completeness. It means there's no division there. There's no hypocrisy. What you see is, is there. It's integrity. Paul recognizes that all that he does is through the mercy received from God that's why he that's why he could put up with all the things he could put up with this this is true for you and me but we it's only recognized when we realize humility when we realize that actually we can't do this you know the the, the Paul said that he must deal with with lots of areas of his life here 
I'm going quickly through this, and I'm not delving deep into all this because there's several points here to think about. But the first thing he talks about is he, he needs to renounce some things. If he's going to have integrity in his service for the Lord, he says there are some shameful habits in his life that he must renounce. And as he renounces that, he also renounces craftiness. In other words, as he said to the, to the um, uh, Corinthians in the first book, he says, I don't come to you with, with, um, with crafty sermons and, and being able to do things. I'm simple in my speech. He says, but I do have one thing. I've got the power of the gospel. He says, for I am not ashamed. He told the Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. Paul says, I don't have to come up with crafty things. He says, the Lord's going to be doing that for me and through me because I'm living under his mercy. The other thing that he can say there, he's, he says in, in verse number two, he's not going to handle the word of God deceitfully. You know, the Bible is an amazing book. It is, you know, we read every other book that we read, we read it and we say that has an understanding to it. It's only the Bible that people look at and say, well, that's not what it means. And they come up with all these different versions and all these different um, uh, um, applications of it. Whereas the Bible is a, is a very, very simple book to understand when you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells within you and he helps you interpret it. And he, and he builds that. You don't have to be deceitful. You just have to be humble. You have to learn to receive it. And so the Apostle Paul says here, I'm not going to manipulate the scriptures for my own agenda. That's part of integrity. Christian, we need to understand that. We need to always be teachable. And so he says here that he's going to openly display the truth before people in the sight of God. Look what the verse says. He says, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, when I, Paul says, when I speak to you, you see what you get. There's no hidden agenda because not only do I have to live within your conscience, but also I live in the sight of God. So the Apostle Paul said, the, the reason why I don't lose heart, because it isn't about me. It's not about me. I've renounced those things. Let me ask you a question. How does living in God's mercy determine the attitude that you have? When you and I become discouraged, when we become despondent, when we, in verse number one, lose heart have we not forgotten that we actually live under the mercies of god let's look for the things that we praise the lord for in our life when we complain and when we and we we come up with all these woe is me sort of things aren't we actually saying lord you're not actually being good to me the apostle paul says here i don't lose heart because i'm living under his mercy last week we sang a song and it really caught me on this because I knew I was going to be preaching this this week. And it says, because I have your, your air in my lungs, I am going to return it with praise. And I got thinking about that. When I inhale, I have to exhale and do something with it. <laughs> Might as well praise the Lord. Praise is a wonderful thing to change attitude. And so the Apostle Paul says that your view of God's mercy is revealed when you face both your successes and your trials. That's when your integrity 
becomes apparent. The next thing that we're going to look at here is how you deal with spiritual blindness, how you deal with lost people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through um, verses 3 to 6, he says this. We're going to move all the way through the chapter. The second point is dealing with spiritual blindness. He says, but even, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Now remember the manifestation of the truth, he says. He's going to manifest the truth. To every man's conscience. So if you're going to do that, have you ever talked with somebody and you say, why don't you get this? <laughs> this is such a blessing to me. Why don't you get this? The Apostle Paul says in verse number three, he says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This battle that Paul is talking about here the, the people who you're talking to, like we talked about last week, the people who you're, you're giving the gospel to, they're blinded because there's an adversary. The God of this world is blinding them with lies and deceptions. The, uh, not only do, do they have to battle that, they have to battle the world system. The world, the flesh, and the devil. They also have to battle their own sinful flesh. Now you, you remember Romans chapter number 6 where it talks about the battle that we have in chapter 7 as well. And chapter 8 tells us the victory that we have. The sinner doesn't get that. They can only listen to what makes them feel good and have temporary solutions to their issues and to their problems. And so the gospel's veiled or hidden to them Paul illustrated this he's picking up a point here that he had already established in chapter 3 so let's have a look at that just briefly go back to chapter 3 of 2nd Corinthians look at verses 14 to 16 let's see what Paul's talking about when he says the gospel is veiled you know what a veil is it's something that covers you he says in verse number 14 we're just going to pick it up with 14 uh, be glad that you're not in one of my groups we have a men's group and the big joke is, is it'll say, you know, if I go back to verse 14, I'll say, you know what? Let's look at the context and we'll go back. And some of the guys said, why don't we just go back to Genesis? You know, and so every time I said, no, let's put it in context. So we're only going to go to verse number 14. He says, but their minds, speaking of the Jewish people, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Do you get what he's saying here? He says, but even to this day, when Moses is read, he's talking about the law, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He says, when, when the law is read, he says, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, verse 16, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. He says here that the, 
that the, um, the Jewish people who he had, been, he had been part of, he says when they read their Old Testament, they don't see, they don't see the Christ. The book of Isaiah chapter 53 is a prime example of that. They don't see it. So what's the remedy? How, do they, how is that veil removed? How are their, their eyes opened up? The Bible says here, or, or he says in verse number 14, well, the veil's taken away in Christ. And he says here in verse 16 of chapter 3, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So the word of God is the gospel of Christ, and that's the light that penetrates the dark heart. That's why the apostle Paul did not promote himself. There's no point doing that. He simply pointed people to Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you're saying, maybe you're here today and you're the person who says, look, I'm just seeking. I, 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 I can't explain why these people from all different walks of life and all across this planet have gathered in this room and there'll be another service in, 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 in an hour or less. And as we get there, he, I don't understand why these people are doing this and they're praising the Lord and doing this. There's one thing that you can do that will remove that veil. You can believe. You can choose to believe. You say, I can't do that. I can't. Yes, you can. Because that's the only thing that he's required us to do is simply trust. Parents, you remember that, don't you, with your children? There was always going to be a time when you had to tell them to do something that they said we cannot do, and you say, trust me. Trust me. Jump off that roof. I'll catch you. <laughs> trust me. You can get on that motorbike. You can ride that thing. <laughs> Turns into a monster. Then. And so... The, the thing is, folks, that's what is required. And you know what? Here's a little secret. It never changes. From the time that you accept Jesus as your Savior till you are what you call a seasoned person growing in Christ, it's a day by day, I trust you. I trust you. And so he says here um, um, that the word of God is what must be must be believed here and that's why he says that he doesn't handle the word of God deceitfully you know referring to Jesus we're told in John chapter 1 about this light in him was light and the life was the light of men speaking of Jesus and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it speaking of Jesus John says in verse 9 of chapter 1, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. That's where I say that. The light is there. You just need to believe. He says, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own. The Jewish people didn't even receive him. Verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. And how do you receive it? He says, to those who believe in his name. So how's that veil taken away? It's taken away by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the invitation that we give. That's the invitation that when you do your witnessing that we talked about last week, invite people to simply believe. They will come up with all these excuses, all these different things, just like you did. But then you simply put your trust in the work of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, 
his resurrection on the third day. He died in your place. And the Apostle Paul said by doing that, he says that that gospel will penetrate their heart. Verse number four um, continues to say that. It says here, who is the image of God should shine to them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sakes. Verse number six, for it is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Speaking of the creation account, that same God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So Paul says here, why is it that how do I um, um, overcome these burdens that, that, that can discourage me, these, these barriers? He said, first of all, I serve with integrity. He said, secondly, I deal with spiritual blindness. I realize that the battle is, is the Lord's and, and we're dealing with spiritual blindness here. And the third thing is, I can live in the power of God. I can live in the power of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verses number 7 through 12. I'm going to pick up the pace here a bit more. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. <laughs> so it's obvious, he says, where the power comes from because our treasure is in earthen vessels, clay pots. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. In fact, he says in verse number 10, we're always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be made manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested or displayed in our moral flesh, more mortal flesh. He says, so then death, verse 12 says, is working in us, but life in you. Paul, Paul says, why don't I get discouraged? Because it's not my life anymore. It's not my life anymore. He says it's God's life, and God's power is displayed in our fragile clay pots. And the treasure is the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. He says in verse number three, that's the treasure in you. In your bulletins, I actually typed this out for you. God chose to place his priceless, exceeding glory within mere mortal humans. God wanted to show the greater contrast between his perfect glory through Christ working in human beings who have been redeemed by that treasure. The weakness is ours. The glory is Christ. And we need to be constantly reminded of that distinction. That's why I put it in your bulletin because that's, that's, a, that's something to dwell on. And think about that. So how does Paul respond to this wonderful truth that actually when the trials he's going through, and if you keep reading in 2 Corinthians, you're going to find out he's going to list all these terrible trials he's gone through. How does he do it? Well, he says, I'm hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. Why? It's the power of God working in his life. He says, I'm perplexed. I don't get it sometimes. I'm confused. He says, but I don't fall into despair. He says, I'm persecuted, but I know that I'm not forsaken. He says, I've been struck down, but I'm not destroyed. 
What Paul is saying here is that you and I can live victorious lives because Jesus died for our sins. He conquered death by rising from the dead. And folks, in this day and age of confusion of Christianity and all these different things that that vie for our time and our energy and our thought processes, remember, we have that assurance in Jesus Christ. Go back to the basics. Because it's the world that's going to discourage us. That's the hurdle that I want to talk about here today. Romans chapter 8 says it this way in verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He says, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Why? Because he's looking at the power of God in his life. And you and I can do that. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I remember one time, this just came to my mind, I shouldn't have done this, but this just came to my mind. I went through this with a fellow one time. And I said, you know, not one thing, not things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor thing. He says, I can think of something. I said, oh, you're looking for things that, that... Take God's promises and walk in them. Don't try to go through and look at loopholes all the time. That's going to discourage you. And Paul says here, it's not me. It's the power of God working in my life. What am I? I'm a clay pot. Paul was talking to Timothy about that. And he was describing to Timothy the power that he can have in his own life and ministry. And he said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 20 and 21, that's it. He says, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some of those vessels are for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that is dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work you can do this you go i'm just a clay pot true but there's you got here's three things that you need as a clay pot as a vessel first of all you need to be clean you clean yourself from that from that dishonor he talks about secondly you need to be empty if you're going to be useful you need to be empty there's nothing worse than coming to to get a a cup and you find out it's it's dirty Nothing's worse, or second worst thing, is to come to a cup to get something. Oh, it's already being occupied. Someone else is using this. We fill our lives with all these different things that are taken away from our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ to live intentionally for him. You say, well, I just, I'm just a, a clay pot. Yeah, but it's filled up with stuff. And then thirdly, we must also be available. Just like Isaiah, when he had his revelation from God, what was his response? First of all, it was, woe is me. And so he was cleansed. Secondly, he became available. And he said, here am I, Lord, send me. So we serve with integrity. We deal with spiritual blindness. We live in God's power. And now we're prepared to speak 
with the, to speak up or to speak out with the spirit of faith. In other words, now we have a testimony that's built on our convictions. The things that will shut our mouths so much is, is when we don't know what we believe. We, 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 well, there's some people who, who, who tell way more than what they know. But generally speaking, we just keep our mouth shut. We don't, so we don't witness because we actually don't know what to say because they may come back with another question or something like this. Well, remember, if you're just telling your story. Paul says here in chapter 4, verses 13 to 15, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. He's quoting from Psalm 116, verse 10 there. He says, we also believe and therefore speak. And there's a key word in verse 14, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus Christ will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. We won't take the time, but in Psalm um, 116 that he quotes from, he says, just like it says, and, and it is in Psalm 16, um, 116, verse 10, um, I believe, therefore I spoke. The rest of that verse says that he was, I'm greatly afflicted. So in other words, in his affliction, the psalmist says, I still believe, and so I'm going to still give forth my, my convictions. God is good. God will take care of this. See, it's in afflictions when your convictions become very, very exposed. In the midst of trials and afflictions, that's when your, your convictions become steadfast and sure. Your confidence in Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, because your life isn't. So first and foremost, our confidence is in the risen Christ, is what he's talking about here. I, one of my favorite passages is 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 2. He said, Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. For we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we will see him as he is. You believe that. Can you imagine what your life's going to look like now? As you wait for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Oh yeah, a millisecond after the Lord comes back again, we will understand and we will wish that we had done. You know, there's a couple things you cannot do in heaven. You can't sin. The other thing you cannot do in heaven is you can't witness for Jesus. You can only do that here. And so Paul says that he's going to speak up with this spirit of truth in the midst of afflictions. And then finally, he says he's, and this is kind of that conclusion. Remember in verse number 16, therefore, maintaining an eternal perspective. And so he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Why? Because we live in integrity. Because we understand we're dealing with spiritual blindness. Because we also know and experience God's power in our life. Because we're speaking out of conviction. Therefore, he says, I do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, he says in verse 16, the inward man is being renewed day by day. I love talking to old saints, 
old people who've been walking with the Lord for a long time and they, they get sweeter and sweeter and they, 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 they look forward to heaven and they look forward to, to different things like this. And, and I've often wondered when I, w- when I was younger, how was it that people don't get discouraged when they get older? I did a lot of ministry with senior citizens um, in Perth and you get some of the most bitter and the most angry senior citizens, but they don't know the Lord. They're living in the past. So somebody did something wrong to them. And when, um, when, when they start losing their, their thoughts, they can remember what went wrong with them, you know, 15 or no, 50 years ago. But they can't remember all the good things that happened just around them. The Christian's different. The Christian has an eternal perspective. He's seated in heavenly places. Our home is not here. Our home is there. And the closer you get to that, the sweeter it becomes. He says, for it's, he says um, uh, um, the, as our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And he says, for our light affliction, which is for a moment. Light affliction? He's gone through some incredible trials. He says, it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So in the big scheme of things, when you're looking at things from the heavenly point of view, from this eternal perspective, the trials become light. The glory to come is the weight. While we look not at the things which are seen, he says, but the, the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The writer of Hebrews, when he's talking about faith and what this means, the application of faith in our lives, he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So let me encourage you in your walk with the Lord. When we view life from God's eternal perspective, we are then enabled to overcome those barriers in life. When we serve with integrity and when we deal with spiritual blindness and when we speak up uh, or live in the power of God and we speak up in the spirit of faith and we maintain that eternal perspective, God will give you that testimony that you have that you need to give to others. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts today and Lord, that we will take this encouragement from the Apostle Paul and we'll apply it to our lives today because we certainly do want to live intentionally for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me invite you to stand as we do our closing song.